This is the fear of silence. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the show that dives into the wide world of science topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new science fear and adjacent fears with special guests and more surprises along the way. My name is Daniel Jai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And we are at the beautiful Vancouver Public Library Inspiration Lab in Vancouver, B.C., and today we are here to talk about something uh, that, that affects a lot of people. Uh, perhaps not myself, um, but uh, it's something that I uh, have uh, been uh, thinking about for a while now, and that is... The fear of public speaking. Now, joining us in studio are experts in the field of public speaking, and uh, let's meet them right now. Oh, uh, hi, I'm Joe Dvorak. I'm an expert in the field of public speaking. <laughs> That was very expert. So expert. Uh, what do you? Uh, uh, what is your calling? What? What? Is oh, I. Um, well, I started out doing comedy storytelling, and uh, now I produce a show. I'm best known. I was just uh, recognized at the pet store while I was buying dog food <laughs> uh, uh, for my show called Story Story Lie, which is a storytelling game show where I hire a liar and I hire people that have amazing, real, true stories, and the audience gets to interrogate them and try and figure out who the liar. Is. So there's a lot of audience participation, a lot of people yelling out, you're lying, and uh, it's really fun. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Yes. Uh, my name is Susan Cormier. I'm the producer of Canada's longest-running live storytelling competition, the Vancouver Story Slam, and of the forthcoming storytelling podcast, The Short Story Show. My writing's been run, won or been shortlisted for a bunch of awards and been published in some magazines, which are entirely irrelevant to today's show. <laughs> That's right. That's the printed word. Yes. <laughs> spoken this is all digital. You can't, you can't put print on a podcast. I've tried. It doesn't work. Um, multimedia doesn't go that far. Uh, personally, I'm an introvert. And like many people, I experience social anxiety and generalized anxiety, social phobia and depression, and I have a speech impediment. And like approximately 20% of people in our society, I cannot memorize a five-minute speech. Mm. Despite this, or maybe because of this, I have over 25 years of public speaking experience. <laughs> Excellent. Nice. Thank you very much, Susan. That's highly impressive. I do not have that much experience in any way. <laughs> yet. Uh, yet, I'm getting there. Um, so my name's Kaylee Byers. I like to say I'm a nerd by day, nerd by night. So by day, I'm a PhD candidate at UBC where I study urban rats and the diseases they carry like a rat detective. I know. You want to do a Fear of Rats podcast? Oh, I'm your now girl. we're going to. Um, That's episode 22. <laughs> and uh, by night, I am one of the co-organizers and co-hosts of Nerd Night Vancouver, a monthly seminar series where we uh, do science, the arts, and everything in between over a beer or ten. <laughs> yes, and we've had your, your co-host Michael Unger on Fear sure of Robots. Have. Yeah, he loves robots. Oh, that's a great episode. Uh, now, spe speaking of beer, you know, uh, uh, we all enjoy beer, but uh, today's fear, of course, uh, uh, some people uh, need uh, beer, some people need courage to get up on stage because, mm. you know, a lot of people have a uh, fear of public speaking. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, fear of public speaking. Uh, well, the first question we always ask on a podcast is why are people afraid of speaking in public or why are people afraid of this fear? Um, fear of public speaking is also known as uh, glossophobia um, or speech anxiety. Um, now, why does everyone think people are afraid of public speaking? Because you can't take back what you say, I think yeah. is like the the primary fear, and and that and apparently because you have a crowd of people looking at you, there's like this prey instinct of you being this vulnerable person, kind of like stuck on this rock, and all these coyotes slash humans are going to swarm and kill you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. Um, I think a lot of it is is fear of ridiculing mm -hmm. um, people people staring at you and and uh, not knowing what to say. Um, but uh, also, I find fear of like when you think of of normal fears, you think of fear of spiders or you know yes. uh, those kind of common fears. But you don't necessarily think of fear of public speaking. But when I was doing research for the show, I found out that twenty five percent of people in the world are afraid of public speaking. 
Um, so we don't think about very often, but it's very, very common. Um, but I also think that it's because it's one that's easy to avoid. Um, oh. A lot of people really can avoid speaking in public if they really needed to. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I, I think that uh, uh, for, for myself, as someone who, who does enjoy being on stage, um, I think that uh, uh, there are times when I myself am afraid of public speaking because mm. uh, I think everything has to be you know in context like uh, there needs to be need to have like the right place I need to be in the right time um, but if I'm thrown into the spotlight it's very uh, it can be even with someone with imp- improv skills it can be tricky to to know what to say and I wonder if part of that fear also comes from um, uh, and apologies if someone already mentioned this as well but the, the fear to need to be perfect or the fear mm. to uh, Fear of perfectionism. Have we done that topic yet? <laughs> <coughs> That's a well, real question. I'm wait. already perfect. So. Right, there we go. Everybody's <laughs> afraid to speak publicly about that. <laughs> yeah. um, so no, I think it's um, uh, I think it's something that uh, a lot of people uh, definitely do have, and maybe it's something that maybe people want to work on, but maybe not sure how to. Well, that actually brings up a good question, too. Um, I want to ask everybody, so even though all of you host successful, large um, public speaking shows, do any of you still have a fear of public speaking? I'd say it depends on the context. So Nerd Night, I don't I don't really, I, I do get at this idea of like, I can't take back what I'm going to say. So mm-hmm. for Nerd Night, where I'm introducing people, I worry that I might say something offensive or uh, take a joke too far. And so that's a that's a specific kind of fear, but it's it's somewhat low level and <laughs> I drink at nerd night, so like <laughs> I die that one right down. Um, but as a scientist and speaking at conferences, I do actually have a bit of a fear of public speaking when it comes to presenting my work. And I think a lot of that is based around this imposter syndrome of what if I say something wrong or someone asks me a question I don't know and I should know the answer to that. So I still get some anxiety um, in that particular venue of public speaking. Thank you for sharing. I have a long theory about the biology behind the fear of public speaking, but I can't summarize it in one sentence, so it's a little longer. (laughs) (laughs) She has a a (laughs) 42-page... Crack open my binder here. (laughs) Turned page 87. Uh, Is it okay if I do like a two-minute, three-minute rant of my biology theory? Yeah, for sure. Go for it. Ooh, science. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know, we tie I don't know about that. Well, t- two caveats. First of all, I'm not a scientist. That would be Kaylee's as the scientist. I'm totally not a scientist. Um, and number two, yeah, because um, this theory comes from um, a couple years of studying psychology in university. And, of course, a couple of decades of being on stage myself and in the past five years dealing with literally hundreds of people uh, who have been in my own show. The other caveat is that this theory is based heavily on the theory of evolution. There's other belief systems out there, so um, if you don't believe in evolution, this is not going to make a lot of sense. (laughs) Um, I believe that the fear of public speaking comes from a combination of three biological, evolutionary-based factors. And Kaylee, if I'm totally way off on any of these, please, like... No, I love that we're already all about evolution, and if you don't believe in evolution, also boo. (laughs) I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Turn it off. Get out Our of here. Our listeners are way down. What happened? <laughs> Controversy, podcast, post, comments everywhere. There's three different things that come into play to create this phenomenon of the fear of public speaking, which is, as you mentioned, it's the biggest fear in the world. It's the most commonly shared fear in the world. Even more than arachnophobia? Even more than death itself. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, it ah. is. <laughs> Speaking on stage while dying from being bitten by spiders. That would be the ultimate one. <laughs> so three things. First of all, fear of the unknown. Think of this. In the wild, an animal that sticks to eating familiar foods is likely to survive because it's not going to eat anything poisonous. An animal that sticks to familiar spaces is more likely to survive because it can run away and hide and, and knows the safe places if it gets attacked. Whereas animals that venture out into trying new foods or going to new places, they might die because they might eat something poisonous. 
See, that's the reason why I eat at Subway four times a week. <laughs> uh, right? Just safer. It's, you know, it's a... Uh, uh, Is I, it, though? <laughs> Is they it? Don't, they don't carry the round sandwiches anymore, so I can't go... Oh, no. I don't know what the six inches are like. Uh, you'll have to take me with you. You know what is safe Missed opportunity. Yes. <laughs> because you are a healthy, strapping lad, so I must follow pursuit of... Uh, follow in your footsteps. So, yeah, animals that stick to the beaten path and stick to what's familiar are going to survive. Animals that um, go into unfamiliar places, do unfamiliar things, they might get killed off. So through evolution, survival of the ones that survive, those ones are going to procreate. So over millions of years, this fear of the unknown has been evolved to be part of animals. And what is getting on stage for the first time or getting on stage for the first time in front of a new venue or new crowd, but doing something completely unfamiliar? Number two, also based in animals, I don't believe we are actually afraid of speaking in public at all. What? Controversy. This episode's over. <laughs> I had a sound effect of me being kicked out of the room. It doesn't exist. Blasphemy. I don't believe it. it's, a, it's an actual thing. We are not afraid of public speaking what, at all. What, what is it? If we were, because let's picture it. If we were afraid of public speaking, public sidewalks, bars, restaurants, wouldn't they be dead silent instead of this noise of cacophony of all this chattering? Mm -hmm. We are not afraid of speaking in public at all. We are afraid of people looking at us. (laughs) Wild animals out in the wild. If you're a wild animal and you're a deer out grazing in the field and you look up and there's a bunch of animals looking at you, you're about to be attacked and killed by a pack of wolves or, you know, other deers because you're competition. So if there's animals looking at you, Animals in the wild, they don't naturally look at each other right in the eye. They'll look at each other, but they won't look at each other in the eye unless they're going to kill you. So what is being on stage but being looked at by a bunch of eyes? No matter, no wonder it's terrifying. Isn't that also tender? <laughs> yes. Being looked at by a bunch of hungry eyes. But you're not looking at their eyes looking at you. Oh, you're looking at their true. eyes looking at you. It's that that's sort of visual I would like feedback. to see that real-time Tinder, though, where they just, like, move people in front of you and you stare into their eyes for a second and they move them along. Oh, I do not yeah, want to see that. that. I'd sign up for that. That sounds totally. hilarious. I want one of you to do a, a show where all the speakers keep their eyes shut the entire time. Mm. Oh. Mm. How would that speakers go? the audience. Or have to make everybody, eye contact. Everybody has to have their eyes closed. Yeah. The entire time. The audience is sitting on the stage. Or I like I really wonder, do blind people get fear of public speaking the way us sighted oh. people do? I'd mm. love to hear feedback on that one. Because I think that is a great question. we are afraid of people looking at us. And again, in the wild, animals that aren't afraid of being looked at, they just wander into the pack of wolves and get attacked. So it's evolved to be a natural biological fear. We're afraid of being looked at. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Fear of being judged, perhaps? Fear of uh, it's, it's deceptions pri- evolving? It's a primal fear of survival. These, those two um, are two out of the three points. Those two are old things that have evolved into us as mammals, but they have no purpose in our society. We don't have to fear being attacked by animals. We don't have to fear new things. We're going to like walk into Subway and eat, pick the wrong sandwich and get poisoned. These are just old things that are We're left in our you. bodies, like um, our wisdom teeth or our appendix. They're useless, but we still have them. We're still afraid of these things. And on top of that, we have what we have all experienced, which is the adrenaline response. You know, your hands are shaking, your knees are weak, your tummy feels like it's full of butterflies, your heart's going pit-pat, pit-pat, pit-pat. Are you experiencing fear or excitement? Because the body, the brain, produces the exact same chemical in response to both of these emotions. That just shoots you full of turbocharge of adrenaline it's the exact same physiological re- response whether or not you're, whether you're going on a third date with someone that you really like or being pulled into the boss's office to get fired. Exact same. <laughs> whether you interpret it as being, yay, let's go, this is awesome, or, oh my God, get me the heck out of here, is entirely your perception. It is entirely your mental state. My boss is pulling me into the office to ask me out on a date. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, that's what just raising all the questions. So I digress. So yeah, I mean, getting and what is getting on stage, but you know, uh, especially getting on stage for the first time, it's a new and unfamiliar experience. All these eyes are looking at you. You're pumped full of adrenaline, which puts you into the fight, flight, or freeze mode. So, of course, you want to, like, freak out and run away, or you freeze up, 
or and can't say a word and your mind goes blank, that is the adrenaline response and two ancient, pointless evolutionary responses. That is all public speaking, the fear of public speaking is in my belief. So if you can recognize that and go, I'm just being a freaking animal on stage, aren't I? There you go. (laughs) You're not actually afraid. It's just a whole bunch of chemicals. I wonder if um, if it's evolutionary, if you if you're able to to get past the idea of people looking at you and still able to perform, maybe that people who produce produce storytelling store shows are actually evolved humans. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Are, are you saying we should we should breed more? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly what I was. Okay, but like just a minute to come back to evolution. Like evolution isn't working towards some kind of like supreme optimum. So being more evolved, I mean, we think about ants and things. And we say, well, we're so much more evolved than them, but they are undergoing evolution also. I just had to. I just had oh, to. That's really interesting. Uh-huh. Comic oh, that's books true. have taught me the yeah. exact opposite. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're evolving. We're going to yeah. turn into angels one day. It's, it's we're just constantly changing and adapting. To what's yeah, like one would argue that my lazy eye is not particularly uh, well evolved, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a trait that I inherited somewhere down the line. Um, but maybe uh, comic books uh, are just like free of Darwinian evolution entirely. So maybe they all, they are in this whole other universe. Well, the best part uh, is that uh, there's actually an X Man named Darwin. Oh yeah, who, that's uh, true. Who evolves into? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember uh, that. Uh, uh, he evolves into, into a pigeon. Into uh, <laughs> the right mutation for the circumstance. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, so, interesting. Yeah. He doesn't change. That. He evolves. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so like, if if they're being attacked by like like a flame bird, he'll evolve into like like a, a, a you know a flame extinguisher person. <laughs> well, he, well, he he changes because if he evolved, then it would take millions of years for him to yeah. to finally come to the uh, battle. We're still waiting him. for him. <laughs> yeah, he's one coming. Day. Now, speaking speaking of the battle, speaking of the battle and pushing through and and. Uh, uh, Facing your fears, uh, I'm curious, uh, and we are curious. Uh, how did how did you three begin uh, your storytelling, your your live performing? Uh, what encouraged you? What got you on stage? Did you always enjoy public speaking? Uh, do you see what you do as public speaking, or something else? Start with Joe this time. I'll start with this one. This is um, okay. So I had a fear of public speaking uh, to a point where my career I was a dog trainer. No, I don't like dogs anymore. I'm over it. People are like, oh, you're a dog person. It's like, no, I'm not. That's why I stopped being a dog trainer. Uh, and when the way you really make money as a dog trainer is to teach classes. The idea of teaching classes was so terrifying to me, I didn't do it. Like, I did that part of my training because it was required, but I refused to teach a class or even, like, address more than two people at a time to speak. Uh, I And I'm a talker. Like, I'm definitely an extroverted person. Uh, but the idea of, of having eyes on me and, and, and screwing up uh, was terrifying to me. Um, what ended up happening, and this is a really beautiful story, it's not, it's sad. Uh, my uh, best friend was a dancer and uh, ballet, contemporary, all that amazing stuff. And she ended up getting uh, colon cancer. And it was like a very long process of, of her being ill and, and trying to help her as much as I can. So I was like a single mom raising this kid that had serious issues. And myself, I had issues in taking care of her and, and, and her kids. And, and like and just that was my life. That's all I did was work, take care, work, take care. And uh, when she passed away, which was like in a way a relief because you hate seeing somebody in pain, uh, her service she wanted to be a celebration of life, not a funeral. And uh, which is also it's just always such a hard thing when you see somebody who's thirty five years old and goes from being this like extreme gracious beauty like she would walk into any room and and she was like the like she was the solo dancer she was the one that everybody like she wanted everyone to look at her she loved the attention and she always like rose to that occasion i think that's part of what her beauty was was her being like this is what the room expects of me i'll do more and she was just always stepping up that way it was really i never met anybody like that was very her name was melissa just very beautiful um when she before she passed, she um, insinuated that I should speak at her service, and I laughed it off. And she was like, no, you've always been funny. Like, you're the one that when they're, you know, I've got tubes in my nose and I can't eat for like a week. You're the one that comes in and, and finds ways to make me laugh and brings me comfort. And like, that's your personality, and I want you to do that at my service. And uh, I really didn't want to do it, but um, when she passed, I, I didn't have anything else to do. 
because there's so much time and void when you're not fixing broken things. So I wrote a piece to talk at our funeral. I, I should still have it. I hope I still have it. Uh, and I did that. And and it was terrifying. But also I was like, this this is the hardest thing we'll ever do. Like I will never lose a best friend again. I will like, I, th- this will be like the hardest experience in my life. And if I can't prevail and grow from this, then I'm not doing hers any sort of a service. So I did the I did that. It was great. People laughed. Um, a lot of people didn't know that we met because her water broke and I was her neighbor and she called me. She's like, what are you doing? And I said nothing because I was reading the Twilight book. I didn't want to admit it. <laughs> She's like, well, my water just broke. And, you? and I was just like right there and I helped her with her uh, doing the whole thing, getting to, the, getting to the hospital. I didn't deliver the baby. But um, it was really beautiful. And then, and then after that, I had this void again of like, what the hell? What am I going to do with my time? And so um, I decided that I wanted to get better at public speaking because I wanted to face my fears. Because if I don't do that, then you don't grow and evolve or whatever the Darwin guy did. And so I took a stand-up comedy course and because I figured that my concern wasn't making people laugh. It was just learning how to speak in front of people. And if I didn't care about making people laugh, that was my focus. And I failed at that. Then I didn't really fail at public speaking. <laughs> so I took a stand-up class. I met this great guy named Jeff Porter. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I got into comedy for a while, and then I turned into storytelling. It just seemed it seemed like that all happened at the right time. Like there was there wasn't like a single punk, queer looking, tattooed mom, that's like, kind of a woman, kind of not maybe as white as other. It was just like I'm like this mixed bag, and I never really belonged in any community. Like I've always kind of not belonged anywhere. And when I got into into comedy and storytelling performing it's just like I felt like there was just this spot like waiting for me mm-hmm. which was so cool and then producing storytelling because I really feel very passionately about getting people's stories out there and with a show like Story Story Live the Rio Theater fits 420 people I can get people on that stage sharing stories that nobody would ever believe and people that nobody's ever heard of before and get them that attention and I feel like a part of what that does is get people thinking that like and realize that everybody has a story mm-hmm. and they may not necessarily get on stage to share it but like just be more compassionate and interested in other people and and that's so that's kind of what what is replaced taking care of a person with colon cancer yeah. <laughs> yeah. well Thank and, you. and it was um when when joe and i met mm-hmm. at at the uh, stand-up comedy class that was part of the reason that i was in um doing stand-up comedy as well is that i wanted to get better at public speaking yeah, yeah. um and we <laughs> went through some horrible open mic nights together we did um yeah. but uh i got to the point where i realized i don't enjoy public speaking <laughs> I really don't. Uh, and it's funny because I'm probably the only person here that actually is still quite afraid of public speaking. Um, but then I kind of found this podcast. Yeah. And, and I realized I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy telling stories. I just don't like doing it in person. I like people downloading it to hear it later. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. Thank so you. So they're not looking at you all. Oh, that's what true. Are I'm sorry, Jeff. What are they looking at a photo of you? Oh, while well, you're now, talking, uh, I would I'm like nervous, to really envision up. that someone sitting at home right now with the podcast and just a picture of you <laughs> in their hand, <laughs> directly at it. Like, this imagine is how you can see photos yeah. uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yeah. Please, mm-hmm. I don't think my fiance even does that. <laughs> I think people should send the podcast photos of selfies of them <laughs> listening to the podcast, yeah, and selfies with Jeff. reactions <gasps> to oh. specific spots in the podcast. We do tend to have photos of us recording the podcasts that we release with every podcast. So mm-hmm. yes. you could watch us recording the podcast while listening to the podcast. So meta. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Susan, what about yourself? How, how did you get into storytelling and, and live performing? Uh, spoken word. Um, I've always been a writer. I've always been pretty better than the average, I think, at putting words together and making them sound pretty right back to elementary school when I was always in the... Uh, speech competitions, but outside of um, academia, outside of school assignments and things that you have to do, like give speeches in class and stuff like that, um, the way that I got into it was more, um, how do I put this nicely? I guess I don't. I was one of those kids that really got picked on. I had the buck teeth with the braces and the glasses that were too big and the horrible hair and the clothes that fit poorly. And for me, getting up on stage and public speaking, yes, there is that concern of, oh my God, I'm gonna embarrass myself. My self-esteem 
and how I perceived my public image to be it was so low it was like what could go wrong mm-hmm. so I was actually relatively very comfortable speaking and I was quite good at writing so people responded well to what I was doing so I got into doing uh, speeches during school assemblies getting into a little bit into theater going to poetry readings etc etc I still I do get the nerves of the adrenaline nerves and I do feel like I'm being judged constantly y'all are gonna laugh at me and hate me but the actual fear of speaking and um, you know being somehow embarrassing myself I've never really had because I started doing it when I was at the lowest self-esteem point in my life when you know I was the kid nobody would sit with so this was a way to (laughs) into subway of course and we can be ignored and alone together and I just I found you know uh, since I did do public speaking sort of things on a minor basis poetry events and school stuff more often than average people in my age group I got better at it so when I moved to the lower mainland and discover like poetry slam and other such events I gravitated towards it because that's where all the weird kids hang out and because I was pretty good at getting on stage and saying the words and putting words together. And it's just always been part of my life. But that's where I started. It was because I was so far down the hole, I couldn't fall down on stage. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Down the rabbit hole. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, it's, it's just so marvelous. We could, I'm sure all, we could all go on and on about all the other ways it has enriched our lives. Like while Joe was speaking, I was just thinking about Joe. I remember, I remember you back in your early <laughs> days when you first showed up at Vancouver Story Slam. You were doing, like, between various spoken word events and comedy events, you were doing, like, this this one time you had, I think it was nine shows in nine days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were hardcore. You were going to go do a thing. on my <laughs> And you just went and done it. Yeah. And now you're running your own show, and you're a very eloquent speaker. Thank you. Because you went you. hardcore. I had no idea that you, you were... So not interested in public speaking to you. Well, and I like storytelling. I think it's important to get stories out. But um, yeah, now it's interesting taking a bit more. Like I still perform, but I usually host. So my job hosting, and I think this is from being a mom, is basically you're just running a party. And you're just making sure people behave. And, you know, everyone knows what's happening. You're getting a goodie bag at the end. Don't worry. Don't <laughs> and just make sure everybody's comfortable and they're listening. And, um, but, yeah, I don't do as much storytelling stuff anymore, which I kind of miss. But I, I find that, too, as well. I'm so busy producing stuff and wrangling other wonderful yeah. people it, and letting them shine. That it's almost gets, like I don't want to take up stage on my uh, – take up room on my own stage. Yeah. Yeah, I get two minutes on my show. Uh, for the Rio show, I literally have a two-minute – time in the beginning to do an intro and it's like really timed and that's just admin uh-huh. stuff it's not like here's this amazing thing i wrote the other day no no that's my, me that's me my creative intro to oh that, that's because our shows are always themed so I, and yeah. i give myself a two minute i do a two minute slideshow but it's like it's hard like it's a hard two minutes well it's your show so if you go over you just cut everyone out it's my show but also i have the the permission of the beautiful real theater to, uh, to do my show which is fairly new and still growing and and we have another show that's like called gentlemen hecklers is kind of a deal after so we have to be done at 845 right, right. so i would rather have the time go to the actual show cut than, into their show yeah. you don't want to do that <laughs> yeah apparently people don't like that well <laughs> it, yeah, it, if we had story story lie with the gentleman hecklers going on at the same time that'd be pretty oh, funny that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we could just have them heckling our stories too right <laughs> yeah uh, and Kaylee, susan oh um yeah, so I started performing when I was younger. So I used to sing competitively, and that was sort oh, of wow. my first thing up on stage. Let me tell you my claim to fame that nobody knows about and is not that impressive. Oh, yeah. But when I was 18, I sang a Broadway tune and opened up for Tegan and Sarah before they were big. Wow. <laughs> I know. I actually had no idea it was them until years later we were listening to them on the radio. My dad goes, remember when you opened up for them at blah, 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 and they weren't the headliners? I'm like... Oh my gosh, I'm famous now too. <laughs> was that at the, at the festival in North Vancouver? No, it was okay. honestly like a, a, charity, volcano, okay. a charity benefit or something. I remember seeing them under the volcano and, and being like, they're going to be big. And then there were big like, tears later. I'm like, I did that. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, I said a thing in the field while I was drinking. <laughs> 
that's where most great things start, actually, mm. drinking in open fields. Yes. Um, so, yes, yeah. Can so I confirm. So, yeah. <laughs> so I used to do a lot of singing. Um, and then I guess, like, my next foray into actually, like, doing things in public or public speaking was through teaching. So as a graduate student, I was a teaching assistant, and I loved it. I just, like... If ever there was a calling for me at that moment, I was like, oh, I should be a teacher. This is this is my jam. Um, except I realized that most of the references I had, uh, the students no longer got. I realized I was um, getting older than them, which was so upsetting. Uh, Did you say this then. is my jam a lot? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I also still make lots of Seinfeld references to 20-year-olds, and so that doesn't go over super well. Um, but anyway, so I, I realized I, I liked science communication, I think, was the basis of my public speaking interest. So I really really think that science communication is so important and I think you do it best if you tell it as a story and so um, near the end of my master's degree where I studied the genitals of feather mites no big deal um, <laughs> I know right <laughs> so ridiculous I measured so many right of now. them wow. I don't even know what they're a feather tiny. mite is they're tiny they're uh, like they're related to spiders in that they've got like eight <laughs> legs uh, and they live on birds ah, like on tiny feathers? little mites yes ah. Amazing. <laughs> yes, amazing. Good, good deduction. Yeah, you did really good. Yeah. Um, I produced a science show. <laughs> you did great. Uh, so there was a – Nerd Night was actually started originally in the States, um, and there are over 80 of them worldwide now. And so there was one in Edmonton at the time I was finishing my master's, and I went to one, and it was this small bar, and there were people – there was a guy who talked about his love of Swiss watches, and somebody else talked about – I can't remember. And I thought, I should do this thing. Like, yeah. uh, So I emailed them, and I said, I want to talk next, next month about how Paris sites manipulate their hosts because it is the coolest shit and they were like yes do that so I came and I did it and I loved it and I was moving to Vancouver to start my PhD in a couple months I said oh when I get to Vancouver I'm gonna I'm gonna volunteer with the nerd night there and they said there isn't one I said okay I guess I'm gonna start it then Um, (laughs) and so that's how I got into doing public speaking regularly it was never really a plan it was never really something that I I thought too much about I just sort of fell into it and have loved it Wow. So you leapfrogged over, you know, the stuff that the rest of us mortals have done, which is actually getting on stage and <laughs> you, you just were like, to heck with it. I'm just going to start a show. So yeah. You just jumped over Find all that the intro yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a show for me to talk on. I'll make my own. <laughs> You'll just create my own place for me to talk. Uh, but I do think some of these things would have been really useful. Like I did a, for, so for Science Slam, which does um, small science, like a science communication competition, I was a judge and they had me get up and do improv around uh, just these things they were pulling out of a bag. And I thought, oh yeah, I can do this. It got dark so fast. Like, I realized that I should definitely take some improv lessons. I was like, "Mm, my brain is a dark place, and I should probably get some uh, kind of coaching around public speaking. So I think that that was a interesting experience. Yeah. Speaking of improv, Daniel, how did you get your start? Um, I... Hmm. It's. I think we all have a, a formative moments of public speaking that we can all remember. Um, there were two in my elementary school days. One was uh, I got the lead in like a grade two production of you know that that fairy tale, uh, the the shoemaker and the and the. the uh, the dwarf the shoemaker elves. and the elves. There we go. The shoemaker and the elves. So I had a, I got the lead part. Yeah, I was the shoemaker, and uh, and I think at the time I was so worried about about being right and getting all the words right that uh, we we did a couple of performances in the gym for all of the school uh, for a bunch of the school and and also uh, our parents and families and stuff, and uh, it was after the performance that. Uh, that one of my parents told me, oh, did you hear your, hear what your teacher was saying? And I was like, no. Uh, I, I was in the zone, remembered the words, and the teacher was apparently saying throughout the show, uh, speak up! Speak up! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, even, like, years from now, I'm, I still remember that uh, fondly now, but I'm sure at the time I was mortified. And then uh, there was another time when I was doing a presentation about uh, about ziggurats. Remember ziggurats? No. Not no. even slightly. All right. So, uh, it's like a, they're like a variant of a pyramid. Oh. 
All right. So, That's cool. Uh, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so, uh, so during this presentation, I, I again I wanted to make sure that I did everything right. So uh, I prepared like a huge speech and I had all my notes and my thing. And uh, I apparently talked. Uh, each person was supposed to maybe talk for like maybe five minutes. Uh, according to my friend, he told me later that he was giving me the 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 cut it out sign uh, a whole bunch and I, I didn't see him because I was too in the zone and it was because I was closing in on 20 minutes of oh, wow. presentation. Let's so, just know a lot about yeah. ziggurats now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, so that was like old me where I was very worried about being about being right. Uh, mm. I think even as a kid I was very much like everything's got to be perfect, everything has its place. Um, but I now do improv, and I actually got into improv in the most uh, in the most imperfect way in terms of the fact that it happened very randomly. Uh, I got into improv via Craigslist. <laughs> uh, it's a very long story, but the, is this the, like improv, quote unquote, or like yeah, yeah. actual oh. improv? So accidentally did improv. So the, the, so the, the TLDR, um, a good friend of mine, Jay Cormier, he moved from Toronto. He was looking for, he was looking to start up his own improv troupe, people to play with. Uh, a friend of mine saw his Craigslist post looking for actors. My friend was like, "Hey, do you want to come along?" And for whatever reason, I said yes. And turns out that in improv, uh, the most important thing to say in improv is to say yes. <laughs> so uh, uh, from there, I went to this Craigslist meetup, met some really great people, and uh, I've now been doing improv for over uh, over 11 years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's been great. It's interesting that you're you're kind of like the king of improv in Vancouver, I would say. Oh. <laughs> um, and in my own yes. small fiefdom, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that you you started out with wine be perfect with your performance, and improv in a way is the exact opposite mm-hmm. of that. You have no control over right. anything. Now, and uh, I'm curious about this with uh, uh, from our hosts as well. What's interesting is that with my first improv group called Dangerous Portion, and now with my group the fictionals um i gravitated towards hosting a because not a whole lot of people necessarily had an interest in hosting Mm -hmm. Um, and also later on i was able to admit to myself that the reason why i enjoyed hosting is because there's a certain way that i i want and need the show to go Mm -hmm. Um, so in a way i think it's still my perfectionism of like the show needs to go this way um, so, uh, for our other hosts in the room, do you do you find that when you host, as as all three of you host your events, uh, do you find that you gravitated towards hosting because you were the only one who could do it at that particular time, or do you have control issues? That's what I, I have control issues, definitely. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. But also, but also the like the show that w- wasn't a thing that was done before. Like it wasn't. Mm, it was a concept right. that I made up. So the best way for me to, to do it was to explain it to the audience and be like, "This is why you paid money to sit here." Um, but you know, I really like hosting. But I think the one of the reasons I like hosting is because. I feel like it's relatively low risk. Like people are very forgiving if I screw up mispronouncing a name, and I've found some techniques because I'm also dyslexic, so I can't read out loud. Um, my brain just like blocks it, so I have to memorize mm-hmm. on things, and not well. I'm not good at memorizing them. I screw mm-hmm. up a lot, and I just have the audience play with me when I do that. Uh, but I think that one of them was um, is paying contestants, performers is one thing. Paying a host is like more than twice as much money so you save a lot of money hosting yourself and you get a lot of stage time uh, like even if you're only on for a minute here and a minute there like you're the one kind of wrapping up the show um, so yes yeah, I think that's what, one of the reasons I do it yeah. and your picture gets to be on the posters I don't put my picture on the posters you used to and it was really cool I used to and it was really cool and then somebody's like you're not famous enough to do that I've still got a little um, uh, oh, yeah. of the postcards of the your original. very first show yeah. Oh. I, I have one of those somewhere too. I need to put, put it in my fridge. Um, it's a collector's. Well, for the solo show for Old Man, I have my faces on that poster. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the question? <laughs> uh, do you have um, control issues? Tangent, tangent, tangent. <laughs> uh, why, do you en- why do you enjoy hosting? And really, I guess that's a question like, why do you enjoy public speaking now? Actually, mm. yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's d- uh, dive back over to Joe right okay. now. Uh, yeah. Why do you enjoy why do you now enjoy oh. public speaking? 
Um, I think one of the, and I do air quotes, is because I'm older and I have a lot of women that are younger be like, you know, you're so inspiring to me, which I think is so funny. Um, but yeah, I think it's weird that I didn't get into this until my, I'm not, like, I'm 40. It's the perfect age. Seriously. I, I had somebody who's in their 20s. I, it looked like I was bar hopping. I was not. I just ran into people and they're like, oh, where are you going? I'm like, home. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I'm 40. They're like, oh my God, what? Kind of rant. Uh, but but they're like, I was like, oh, it's great. And they're like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm just like you, but I have a savings account. <laughs> she was like, I didn't even think about, I'm like, 40 is so much better. Like, 20s is not. <laughs> like, I know your debt right now. It'll go away. Uh, that was completely off topic. But uh, yeah, I, so no, I, 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 I love public speaking. So yeah, I do, although I do get worried about what I'm going to say. But I, I feel like uh, learning improv has really helped me learn how to turn a mess up into something kind of wonderful. So, yeah. Um, at my show, Vancouver Story Slam, I actually don't host. My partner, Bryant Ross, hosts. I am the producer and the uh, stage manager, and I do everything else. He stands up there with a, he's got a script and whatnot, but I do all the behind scenes, behind the scenes work before the show, during the Way show. Way more important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I get on stage a little bit, but like, like Kaylee mentioned a little bit briefly earlier, yeah, I do sit there with my glass of wine, so I can sort of enjoy the show, but... Um, I love getting up on stage as long as I know what to say. You get me up there doing improv, I will freeze. I'm horrible, horrible, horrible at improv. Maybe I need to take a Daniel Chai course. <laughs> but as long as I know what I'm going to say, like, I can get up on stage and do anything. Uh, as long as I've got either a script or you tell me what to do or it's a format that I've memorized, like my show or one of my stories or something that I'm reading off paper. Um, I'm totally fine with even walking up to a random person on the street and saying something to them and walking away. But you put me in any situation where I'm expected to mingle, uh, network, oh, networking events. Networking events. Oh my God, I would rather die and go to hell twice. Um, I, I will just die, but just actually speaking in front of people, like Joe has sort of said, uh, has sort of alluded to, it is so empowering and so it brings you so much joy to mentor, to be to be the the mama bear yeah, to yeah, all yeah. these up and coming newbies, either young people or even older people, older than us who are mm -hmm. just new to the stage and discovering this thing, and giving them the invalid the validation and the empowerment, and the joy and the love of yes, you can do this, you can overcome this this huge phobia and stand up on stage and uh, get validated and appreciated because so few people in this world like we're we're a really rare very niche of people that get up on stage on a regular basis so few people experience that we know what it's like to stand on stage and have a whole bunch of people go yay yeah. and applaud and throw love at you we all need love we all need joy and acceptance and to be respected and to get all of that from a bunch yes. of random people it's incredible mm -hmm. yeah um, I'm actually gonna um, uh, bring us to our last point here um, so for for every episode um, I go and I figure out uh, I do the hashtag um, and check it out on Twitter so I did hashtag of public speaking um, and one thing I noticed in in all of the posts that it was a lot of people giving advice um, on public speaking. So I want to end it with asking each of you, um, what would be your advice? Because I'm sure all of you have run into speakers that have had stage fright and you've had to give them advice. What would be the advice that you'd give someone besides picturing them naked? I'll start with you, Kaylee. Oh, right after the naked bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, so I, maybe I'll do it in um, two parts. Uh, so for public speaking in like the conference scientific world, my best advice is to practice because that's it's not too improvisational and, and know what it is, know your main points that you want your audience to know. As long as you know those main points well and, and why you have them, you can come back to them and be confident. And I think that that, that helps me at least with some of that um, imposter syndrome, public speaking phobia. Uh, for Nerd Night, I think the thing that I would suggest is don't take yourself too seriously, sort of the opposite end. Don't take yourself too seriously and have fun with it. Um, I love it because it's just so stinking fun. And if you can find the fun in it, then I think that you can, those fears are worth it and they'll go away with time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you. Um, the advice that I tend to give out to, to nervous newbies or the uh, nervous 
veterans of the stage who, who mentioned that they're frightened. And I do have a lot of people participating in my show who say that they are terrified or that, you know, oh my gosh, I'm sorry if I have to cancel at the last moment, things like that. And the sort of stuff that I tend to throw back at them is uh, very specific, like cognitive behavioral things such as, and such as avoid stimulants the day of the show, such as caffeine. Don't have caffeine on top of adrenaline. Your head will explode. Um, calming techniques, you know, the usual ones. Breathe deep, relax, breathe out, sigh. Good posture, open chest. Visualize something nice, blah, blah, blah. Visualize that the audience is a head of naked cabbages. Any sort of visualization things. Or they're naked mannequins, or they're just piles of ice cream, or they don't exist. Lots of visualization calming techniques that we've all read about. In terms of being on stage... Um, don't look the audience in the eye because um, for many reasons don't look them in the eye unless they're a friendly smiling face find the one friendly smiling face in the audience D- perform to them or mm-hmm. perform to a neutral object such as someone's beer mug or the, the uh, a painting on the wall trying to look at all the, the people in the audience right in the eye doesn't work you'll just freak yourself out look at their shoulders look at their hairline look at their, <laughs> their beard if you must look them in the face or look at random audience uh, random objects out there that way you look like you're looking out at the audience. You're not staring at your paper at the ceiling. Breathe, 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 breathe. Mm. And you are not going to get attacked by wolves. Remember that, like I mentioned earlier, that all, all of your fears are biologically and evolutionary based. Nobody's going to attack you on stage. You're not going to get bum rushed off unless you do something really horrible. You could completely mess up on stage. You're still going to get a round of applause, and people are still going to love you. You'll be mm. okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Joe? Um, I guess it's similar. I'll, I'll, I'll find a way of wrapping all this up, hopefully in a functional manner. Uh, feel free to edit that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of functionality, I know. Okay, so I, I, I will say, because I did comedy as well, there's definitely times where I did not get an applause, and definitely times where people were not happy with what I was doing I don't believe it and which is terrifying so like maybe it won't be brilliant but it's not gonna like actually hurt because you did it I I think that it's it's important to to share and it's important to be mindful of what you do share like maybe if you want to diss a culture (laughs) or a gender the stage is less of a place for it I don't know but I've seen people like come on stage and be like super racist and sexist and think it's cool and those are called stand-up comedians (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyways um so my advice to cut to my advice it would be um the uh, people might judge you and I think that's the big fear that we have is that people will judge us we won't be perfect we'll screw up so so don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to like a person that is either there or you can like for myself, I can think of Melissa being somewhere and how proud she would be of me for overcoming my fear. And then I know all I have to do is stand on stage and say one word to the microphone and she will be in awe. <laughs> so imagine if I do five minutes. Imagine if I do my whole story. And, it, and so I try to think of of her or someone like that that, that wouldn't judge me. That that knows me. Um, also, when I started performing, I would get told constantly that I, I appear very cold, like a bit of a bitch <laughs> on stage, which is so not me. <laughs> it's so not, it's so not me. Smile. But I decided to start working that and and like look very serious when I get on stage, and then kind of like unfold and show my vulnerability. And I almost always cry at some point during a story, uh, which has been one of my anxieties lately to have to deal with. And actually, Megan Phillips, who was on your last show, Fear mm-hmm. of Anxiety, um, she helped me uh, with that. Gave me some really helpful advice that I can't remember, but. I helped um so yeah i think like you know just pay attention to some people gonna judge you but the same thing as walking into a grocery store someone's gonna judge you like no matter where you go someone is gonna have a judgmental thought it doesn't matter no should i stop (laughs) no i do not i (laughs) i'm a no frills gal um yeah so anyway so that's kind of my thing just like try and try and pick somebody whose opinion matters to you Mm. and 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 try and be gracious and and appreciate like the time of people listening yeah 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 um, actually, with uh, with the failing as well, when that's one thing that I I thought was an amazing lesson when I did stand up comedy, is that I bombed numerous times, and just to have that 
knowledge um i really appreciate even though my stand-up comedy career did not pan out i liked your i liked your material <laughs> I, I had not too bad material yeah um but i had a couple open mic nights where there were four people in the crowd and you're talking to absolutely nobody at two in the morning and it was a miserable experience yeah yeah uh, it actually sounds like my nightmare yeah, yeah. it's uh, you should try stand-up comedy <laughs> it's amazing yeah. Yeah. you're really survived. selling it to me <laughs> yeah. really you survived it. somehow and you know it wasn't the the horrible experience i mean you're still maybe not public speaking but you're working with the words and you're working with public speakers i'm speaking to the millions of people listening to this podcast right mm-hmm. now exactly <laughs> you went through a bad experience and you survived it's you're not going to get attacked by wolves yeah how about you daniel do you have any advice yes um i have uh, uh, two pieces of advice uh first off as as you heard earlier on uh when you are public speaking whether you're introducing a show whether you're uh, setting up a show off the top as a host or if you are uh <laughs> preparing for a speech at work or if you are prepared to uh, give like a speech at a wedding uh succinctness is nice so if you are expected to do five, don't do 20. <laughs> don't, don't make the same mistake I I'm do. making a note of that. Um, Wrap it yeah. up. Totally. Uh, and, and definitely lots of practice. Practice does make perfect when it comes to public speaking. Uh, you know, knowing what you're going to say and trying to say it in the most uh, charming way as possible. Uh, which leads me to number two, which is... Ultimately, I think any kind of public speaker, any kind of performer, any kind of podcast, any kind of podcast host, People go to live shows. People listen to the podcast for the people who are performing them. So uh, people go to our respective shows. People listen to this podcast because of the people who are on there. So know that people inherently, for the most part, want you to succeed. And they're there to see you be the best version of yourself. So, um, so... Even though it is scary, you know, uh, no matter whether you're 35 or 5 or 55, um, know that the people in the audience are not, you know, as much as we have to train our brains to do this, um, know that the people are there to see you succeed. Well, that's really yeah. good advice. Yeah. I love the idea at my next nerd night of standing on stage and looking out at the sea of people and thinking, they're all here to see the best version of me. <laughs> I think that'll be really fun. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that. Now, speaking to Daniel's first point, yes. uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Hmm. See what I did there? Ah. Yes. No. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to thank all of our guests for being on. This is an amazing discussion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, very quickly, uh, uh, who do we have again, and where can they find more information about you a la website? You guys both looked in different directions. That was my greatest fear. <laughs> I have no direction. I'm Joe Dvorak, uh, and uh, you can find me on most platforms as Story Story Joe, and the show that I produce is called Story Story Lie. Perfect. Thank you. I'm Susan Cormier. The best place to find me and my show is facebook.com slash Vancouver Story Slam or facebook.com slash The Short Story Show. Thank you. Uh, I'm Kaylee Byers, and you can find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, under Kaylee Byers, and you can find Nerd Night Vancouver there as well, under Nerd Night YVR. Awesome. And you can find, of course, Fear of Science in all of our back episodes and future episodes uh, on all of your podcast platforms. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you can find me at your local subway. <laughs> for and, now we'll see for now yes and thank you very much for to everyone who listened tonight absolutely uh, we look forward to chatting with you again soon take care <laughs>